This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Hi, I'm Sean Priest. Hi, I'm Tim Schwartz. And, and we're, we're blind, blind guys, guys talking, talking tech. tech. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. And this week we are very excited because it is Technology Week here. Oh, yes. Excited. You know why I'm excited? Because at Consumer Electronics Show is happening in Las Vegas at the minute. Uh, Tim Schwartz is with me here, by the way. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. I'd be more excited if I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, but it's okay to just be here with you. Oof. Right. Um, I think that's a compliment. Uh, Sean Priest is here. Are you happy to be here, Sean? I'm always happy to be here, Stephen. You know me. I'm grateful to be anywhere. At your age, especially. (laughs) Exactly. I'm interested to find out why you're excited by the Consumer Electronics Show. What it's got for for us as visually impaired people? Oh, who cares about that? Oh, sick of talking about blind people. No, no, honestly. (laughs) There's so much stuff. (laughs) Send your emails, do feedback at ami.ca to Stephen no, Scott. Do you know, this is the thing. This is the great thing about these events now. So much of the technology that you see at these events is available to all of us. It doesn't matter whether you're visually impaired or not. So it's brilliant. You can talk about this stuff. We can talk about TVs that are smart because they've got accessibility built in. We can talk about the new phones. We can talk about robot vacuum cleaners because they work with Lady A and that means it's accessible to us. So actually, no, we don't talk about blind people specifically anymore. So shame on you, Sean Priest, for being so uh, narrow-minded. Oh, okay. Sorry. I dare you. I feel punished. Go sit in the corner. Oh, we're only a minute in and Sean's getting it in the neck. Um... (laughs) Anyway, look, I hope you all had a good week, guys, because I did. Um, It's it's actually, you know, last week, I kind of, we came back on air on AMI, and I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be frank about it, I wasn't really feeling it last week. If I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I didn't notice at all. You came over so energetic, Stephen. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I didn't really feel it last week. I think it's just that thing, you come off the hangover of chocolate and stuff, and this week... I've had a detox, and I feel better. Wow, you feel better without chocolate? That's the first. I've had no chocolate since Sunday night. Well, I know that's a lie, but I won't bring it up on air. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe that for a moment. Listen, I'm a great believer in if you tell yourself something often enough, it will become true. Good luck with that. It's how I got this job. (laughs) Um, I don't even know if we're still on. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, um... I am excited about the Consumer Electronics Show. It's a big event. It's the biggest tech event of the year, arguably, because it's the one occasion where all of the the companies come together, bar one. There's only one company that never shows up at this event. Starts with A, ends in E, and has pl in the middle. Um, If you're still struggling with that one, I'll give you more clues later. It's green and you eat them. Um, Or red. Um, okay, I think we're done. I think we can guess. Yep, Carry yep, on. I think we got I think it. it. Are you getting yes. it? Right, okay. They fall from trees. Yes, okay, Money, yeah? we've got it. Right, okay. Um, Newton, Isaac Newton was hit by one. <laughs> right, okay, fine. Um, so, yeah, they don't turn up. Apple just never show up at this event at all. Um, that's no great surprise. And actually, over the years, a lot of companies have stopped doing certain parts of it. For example, Samsung now don't advertise any phones at this event because they do their own events later in the year. Microsoft do the same. So they all want to showcase, and that makes sense. Okay, fine. But this is a great opportunity to see not so much what's available out there, because a lot of this stuff will never get off the ground. It's a lot of its prototypes. But what it does do is show us 
what the potential is, what the, how the companies are thinking. And that's what I like about the CES shows. I'd love to be there. One year, maybe, we'll all get to go. And Definitely. It would just be like, <laughs> can you imagine the three of us at an event like that? What would that be like It would for be us? like Godzilla crashing through Tokyo. It cost us a fortune <laughs> of all the broken TVs. I can only imagine. Eight K <laughs> ones as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right, though. I mean, that you're right to say there's loads of prototypes there. But um, it is interesting. You do get the, the trends. You can sort of see what's going to come up in the next year. Uh, I saw a lot of video mm. doorbells this year. I mean, you know, one time it was only Ring that was available. Um, but now there's every company is jumping onto the video doorbell security sort of aspect of things. So you do get sort of uh, uh, an idea of what's going to be coming up in the year. I love it for that. It's always nice to see how they add on to the technology that came out the previous year in or previous years where you say, okay, well, that was a nice technology. Who's going to take that even further? And every single year, you know, artificial intelligence or, you know, TVs or whatever it is, it just takes such a big leap every year or at least gives you that tease of what it could be uh, going forward. So, yeah, it's always fun to see what they've got. Now, you know, from time to time... We- I don't know if you guys have watched the movie Bird Box that's on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm help, hoping mm. to watch it soon. I'm, well, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, well, no spoilers, right? I'm not going to spoil it for you. But what I will say, and you probably know this anyway, so I'm not telling you anything you don't know um, or won't be uh, in, uh, of any relevance when you watch the film. <laughs> but basically, uh, the premise is that there's some kind of monster lurking around. And if anyone sees this monster, they will kill themselves. They perform harm on themselves um, because whatever the monster does, it makes them want to, to kill themselves. So that's it's a lovely, cheery family yeah, film. Happy New Year again. Um, yeah, lovely. Yeah, Happy New Year to you all. Uh, so that's the premise of the film. And what happens is, as a result, uh, Sandra Bullock's character, uh, who's very good in, in movies, um, she, uh, she has to find a way of survival. And the way she does it is by donning a blindfold. And she thinks, if I can't see the the monster, then I'll be safe. So what this has done is, uh, as a result of the film, which a lot of the film is spent watching her kind of navigate the world without vision and using audible feedback, she uses other methods to move around. And it is quite interesting to, to watch. And I will say again, Netflix, top marks in audio description. It was brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did, it, and, and you really, it's amazing how much you need it because it tells you how she navigates, you know, explains all that. Um, but what was interesting was that now people have decided, as people who are, are sighted sometimes do, and I apologize for generalizing here, but this does happen, uh, sometimes what they do is they think, well, you know, if, if Sandra Bullock in a movie, which is a movie, um, can live her life without vision, then all of us can. So why don't we all start living our lives without vision? And this is what's been happening. So people have been going on YouTube, walking in front of, you know, fast-moving traffic. I saw one video of a guy in Los Angeles crossing the road um, with a blindfold on because it's now the Bird Box Challenge, hashtag. Um, (laughs) Of course it is. Any bit of pop culture becomes a challenge. You know, we had the ridiculous Tide Pod challenge and whatever became before that. I mean, some challenges are just fine. It's just a bit of fun. And I've got to say, I thought the same of this because I did see the NFB came out and said, we utterly condemn the Bird Box challenge. It misrepresents blind people. And I've got to say, I disagreed with that. I thought, well, you know, can't we just take it at face value? It's just having fun. 
No, no, it's not all at fun all. and games until you I'm, get hit by a car, Sean. Well, no, you see, that's the thing. Now, if the bird box challenge is doing dangerous things, such as trying to cross a road or drive, I've even heard, then of course we would condemn that. Um, I assumed it was just people trying to, you know, like walk around their house or trying to make a cup of tea, um, you know, normal everyday challenges whilst wearing a blindfold. In, in that case, I thought, well, actually, if it gives someone even for a, a, a tiny moment, you know, if it makes them think, well, how would you do that if you were blind or visually impaired? Then I thought it was a, a beneficial, it was a good thing. Um, but if it is that dangerous aspect, trying to do dangerous things, and that is all, then yeah, of course, that's ridiculous. Yeah, if it stayed that simple, it would become constructive awareness about blindness. But unfortunately, as people do, they take it too far and they're, they're not, I don't think, learning from it properly. They're not getting the right education about blindness in, in this particular case. If, it was, if there was a way to constructively do it to educate people, that, that would be fine. Well, the unfortunate thing about this is, um, and I, I don't want to talk about this off show, but you know, I, I do think it's important to bring up because it's, and I know it's not tech thing. So apologies to the, the tech fans out there. Just give me a minute, right? I only get the hour. Um, I, I just feel with something like this, and the, I read this article in the Guardian newspaper. It's, it's kind of summed up exactly how I was feeling at the time, and it also kind of gave me a little bit of, in a weird way, comfort to know that I wasn't the only one thinking this. But they did some research into how people feel after they've tried, um, if you like, what vision loss is like using SIM specs, which you see a lot. You get these SIM glasses where people uh, can simulate eye conditions yeah. using them. Uh, so you put one or a pair on, it might give you an idea what glaucoma is like or what star guards is like or what retinitis pigmentosa is like, whatever it is. And... What it said most commonly was when people did tasks like the ones you're talking about, not walking in front of cars, but actually making a cup of tea or whatever it was, it actually just reinforced the stereotype that they had that it was a negative experience, that the experience was negative and therefore being blind was a negative well, experience. Uh, so it was a case of how do I do this? Well, I can't do this. And they weren't stopping to ask themselves, okay, well, maybe blind people do it a different way. They just assumed that blind people couldn't make tea. And, you know, I've lived long enough and had enough experience of people who think that I can't make tea, dress myself. Um, and you know, actually, that might be closer to the truth. <laughs> yes, actually, I've people seen realize. your dress sense. You <laughs> that's not dresses. a visual impairment thing, though. That's just me. Um, but that's the point, you know. So you're kind of living in this world where, you know, people are having these experiences. And then at the end of it, they're maybe turning into their friends and saying, God, it'd be awful if I was blind. And that's the worst. And the problem is there's no one who can say, because, of course, you're in a group of people who think like you, who are friends with you, no one's going to turn around and say, well, actually, you know, here's some facts and figures that will amaze you. No one's going to do that because that's not what this is about. It's just a bit of fun. But uh, I don't know. I just I find it all a bit galling. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think you can look into things a little bit too closely. I find it hard to believe that there's the majority of people that take part in something like this will think, oh, well, then blind people can't make a cup of tea or can't survive on their own because that's just obviously and you know demonstrably not true. Yeah, but the, you see that though. You say, but actually, the, the the truth is out there. There are people, and I would say, I, I would say, not majority, but I'd say there are a lot of people out there who just don't understand how we live our lives. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something, right? This show goes out in the evening, so I can say this, and if we can't say it, you'll know that I shouldn't have said it. And I'm, I'm worried. Here next week, I've been asked, right, how I have sex. I've been asked that question. Well, I ask that question all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, we're married. We don't we don't do it very often. Um, but it's amazing to me when someone asks that. And my question is, I do it in the dark, but better. Um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but that's just a ridiculous question from a ridiculous person. Who would ask that question? That's the sort of person who's an idiot throughout life anyway. I, I would argue that there's those sort of people. It's the same as the people that try and cross a road when they're blindfolded. They're idiots. You're always going to people that, that take it too far and uh, are just crazy. I, I don't know. I just think people are better than that. But see, Stephen, you said a word there that I hear all the time. It's almost synonymous anymore with people who are blind, and that's amazing. Everything we do, they find out we've done something. Oh, that's amazing. How do you do that? You're so inspirational. amazing and inspirational. And you know what? There are times and there are people who I would consider amazing or inspirational. But the fact that I can put my shoes and socks on or put on my pants or take a shower or, or have sex or whatever it might be, because you know, and I can do all that blind, that doesn't make me amazing. <sighs> Not at the same time, though. No, not all at the same time. <laughs> that would that is all frowned upon to do all those things at the same time. Reverse order. Now, I'll have to tell you, I'll call you amazing if you do that. Um, <laughs> so, never mind. No, look, Martin Luther King was amazing and inspirational. Barack Obama was amazing and inspirational. Yes. I'm not. Um, you know, I, I make my way through life. I have absolutely no idea in what way, but I do. Um, and I, I do it like everybody else. I wake up. I realized that the only other option is death. So I got on with it. Um, and that's it, really. What um, a cheery show this week. Wow. Happiness anyway, two weeks in a row. I'd, I did I did say, I, actually, there is a reason I brought that up, not just because of the Bird Box Challenge, which, by the way, if you're doing it, you're insane and you should stop now. Um, but actually, my kind of intro to that was that, you know, sometimes sighted people get an experience of what it's like to be visually impaired. And at CES this year, yes, I'm back to that again. Um, at CES, well done uh, this year in Las Vegas. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I did put the the, the train back wow. on the tracks. There is a method um, to the madness. It wow, heavy lifting here. Well, um, basically, uh, at CES this year, something is on show that uh, even if you have the best sight in the world, 2020, or I think some people can be above 2020, no matter. Even if you've got the best vision you'll still not be able to see it. And that is 8K televisions. Already. I mean, 4K TV isn't really established yet, I would argue. No. It almost feels like they're saying, well, 4K is available, it's something we can do, but, you know, let's talk about 8K. And uh, just kind of skip right on by. And uh, again, like you, you're alluding to, Stephen, the high-end quality, the definition of 8K... I don't think our retinas can even pick that up. No, they can't. And that's the interesting thing. So the retina can only really pick up at maximum 4K. So four times, if you've got an HD television at the moment, four times that is the best you're going to see. 8K is almost impossible for the eye to pick up. I think five is probably it, really. Um, so to get an 8K television is a bit gratuitous, honestly. Um, there's no real benefit to it. And interestingly, it's not something that's just out at CES. I mean, I, I know we said at the start that CES is often an opportunity to see what's coming, what the prototypes are. I was in a store the other day, and it had 8K TVs on sale. I mean, they're, they're out now, and I, I don't understand why. Because I don't, know who, I don't know what the benefit is to this. I mean, like you say, Sean, 4K's out. There are very few, if any, 4K TV channels. So... And very little content. I mean, Netflix has got a few programs in 4K. 
I can't even tell the difference if I'm honest. So from a VI point of view, this is ridiculous. Yes. Um, obviously. I mean, and I know. Don't get me wrong. There are some people out there with certain eye conditions who've got you know decent central vision who might benefit from a 4K TV uh, because that extra clarity can be good for motion, especially if you're watching an action movie. It can make it much more pleasant to watch. That's one thing I have noticed. Yeah. But 8K, nah, pointless, ridiculous, insane. I just, it's just too soon i mean look 4k apple have just started introducing the 4k version well not just but recently the 4k movies into the itunes store you know if you've got a movie that's just high def then it will be replaced with 4k and that's just coming through and how long has 4k been available so i think this move to 8k i mean even doing away with the negligible uh, difference and how much you can actually see and a difference it makes um just the content isn't going to be there so i don't i don't actually know what you would use this for well i can't believe i'm going to say this about any kind of technology because we all love our tech but you said it's too soon sean i'd say it's too much i i I just i don't get it it's it's not something that you could visually really enjoy or see. I don't think you're going to notice a big difference between 4K and 8K. I did hear at CES that there is an 8K 88-inch television that's being previewed. I'm like, wow, that's, I mean, okay, the size. I suddenly want it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, part of me goes, God, I want that. If I only could see, and even if I can't see, I still want it. But why? Why do I need that? I'm not going to use it. If I had vision, I'm not going to see it. I think that there there has to be a, a cutoff or a limit. Tim, you can't see anything at all. Sean, you have got the inability, because of your condition, you've got, what what is it, tunnel vision, so severe tunnel vision. So what you yes. need is a three-inch television that you can put at the other side <laughs> of the room, and you'll see it perfectly. <laughs> That's what my partner keeps saying. I keep saying I want a 55-inch TV, and she says... What's the point? What you need is a 12-inch portable, even black and white, <laughs> just so you can see the whole screen. Otherwise, it's like I'm watching a tennis match. I've got to keep scanning and turning my head from left to right. You see, Netflix just needs to expand their app to the Apple Watch, and then you could just watch it on your Apple oh, Watch. That's a great idea. Perfect. Oh, Tim, I think you've just nailed great next for us, to your tech. Yeah, we just listen to the audio description anyway, so yeah, you know, true. I don't need the screen. <laughs> so, I mean, okay. We're talking about CES this week. We're probably going to talk about it next week as well. I do warn you because um, it, there's so much coming out and uh, there'll be more coming out by the end of the week before we get a chance to, to see it and, and talk about it. But uh, one other thing I want to talk about is um, 5G. Uh, 5G is the next thing. And I have to be honest, I've read a lot of articles about 5G and I still don't really get it. Um, I know it's coming. I know it's important because what they're suggesting is that one thing that... Um, one of the benefits of 5G is that it won't just connect people, as in the, the calls we make or the texts we send or, or messages, but it'll connect things. And I think this is the key point about 5G, that this is the only bit of information I've managed to glean that makes any sense to me, is that really 5G isn't so much about improving the phone network, although it will. It'll make a big difference to our phones and we'll be able to download movies faster. And of course, with 4K, with that, you know, file sizes get bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you want to download a 4K movie on 4G to your phone, that's going to take a bit of time. Um, not a huge amount of time, but it will take some time. Whereas with 5G, that'll come down in seconds, and that's incredible. Now, 
I will say this for those who've got phone contracts right now and you think maybe I've just, I've just upgraded to an iPhone 10 and it's lovely and I've got my new 4G contract you think oh great now here's 5G coming and that's everything cancelled well the good thing is you're not going to lose anything 4G will still remain um, but 5G will um, give you faster access when you know when the time comes that you want to uh, to get it one of the things though about 5G that I want to talk about which I think is most interesting is this connection of things now, we've heard a lot over the years, especially in the last two years, about the Internet of Things. Now, that means things like smart plugs, smart lights, things we've talked about in the show before. But with this world, this is different. This is talking about things outside our house. So we could be talking cars here. We could be talking vehicles. Uh, we're seeing this year at CES a number of smart cars. I'm not going to talk about those. Because, um, wow. Why? What? You've got to talk about that. I mean, there were so many. It was okay. Who cares? <laughs> well, I'm not into cars, right? I don't. I mean, it's not that I'm not. I just you will be. Well, yep, I'll tell you, you this: be. when they're driverless, that's when I'll be interested. Um, but no, I, th- I think that with the smart cars coming and with and with driverless cars as well, this is where a robust internet network is needed, and that's what five G essentially will provide. So, I think that's what's interesting to me about five G. You guys uh, get any views on that? I'm a bit like you, to be honest. I, I I was a little bit confused. I mean, 5G, you just think, well, it's just going to be a faster version of 4G. Uh, but then some of the projects that people are talking about, it's it's not just a case of being able to shift vast amounts of uh, data around. It's the the whole speed of it and the, uh, the 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 connectivity of it, like you said. I mean, let's going back to driverless cars. There's talk about having a almost like an air traffic control system so that the cars will be able to talk to each other and map each other out all across the city. And for something like that, you need a reliable, stable um, connection. And that seems to be what 5G is aimed at. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in 5G. As a matter of fact, as a bit of a tease, I do mention 5G coming up later in the show on this week's Tim's Bits. And I, I do have an interest in 5G because of the speed, because of all these projects that you guys are talking about outside the house, but even inside the house. There's talk that 5G, because of it being so much faster than 4G or LTE, you could almost even replace Wi-Fi within your home and everything would just be on 5G. So the ability of it and the speed of it, I think with cars, with you know everything, everything that we do that's connected to everywhere around the world it could really drastically change with the speed of 5G. I think it's going to be great. I'm really... I remember when 3G came along and I remember how disappointed <laughs> I was. I got, uh, I got a phone on a mobile network in the UK here Um that was a 3G phone, and it was the, one of the very first. And I remember queuing up for it. I was so excited about this. It was a it was a flip phone. Um, cool. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And it did video calls. <gasps> and I remember pretty much standing underneath the transmitter, and I couldn't get a signal. Um, it was just <laughs> at the beginning, it was awful. And then I remember how good that got. And then 4G came along, and yeah, that was a big difference. Definitely. 4G, 4G was a major... I mean, it was the change almost like when you went from dial-up to broadband or ADSL and now fibre. I mean, it does make a huge difference. And we do rely on it. Once you've got that instant connection there, that has made such a difference to the the way we've developed technology. I mean, we wouldn't have the smartphones we have now and the smart devices we have now without mobile internet connection. So it's really important. I am a little bit worried that maybe we're putting too much onto it and then 
you know, when it does arrive, it's oh, it's just faster 4G. Um, but I mean, it does get. There's a lot of discussion about it from a lot of important people, so there must be something to it. I think if you're getting to the stage where we're talking about controlling cars and controlling vehicles on the roads. It obviously has got enough of a connection to be able to do that. And, you know, th- this is already in our air. I mean, it will be being tested as we speak. Um, it may not appear where you live for a very long time, but, you know, it will still... Uh, and I believe it is coming out this year. I think the first 5G phones will be announced It's supposed to. There's already wireless um, carriers uh, here in the States. Verizon is already offering 5G. And the rumor is the uh, smartphones near the end of the year possibly will have 5G. Already they're selling it? Wow. Um but like you say, it's not available as such. It's just offering it. Yeah, they're just saying they're making, yeah, the speed is there and available, but there's not really a phone to use it on they yet. You can use it, yeah. Well, I think that's rather interesting. I think we'll be uh, watching that with interest to see what comes of it. Um, and, you know, again, what difference will it make to us? I mean, I think I think about um, maps. I think about GPS. I think about data on the move. And I think for us, actually, it could help us. I think about services like Ira that depend on a decent, solid internet connection, where something like 5G would make a huge difference to a service like that. Um, Having better camera quality, having better audio quality, again, on your phones. I mean, we forget. Very quickly, we forget how things have improved. I mean, I remember... When you made, I made the first phone call, and I remember it was a phone company, which is no longer in the UK, but it was called Orange, and they came up with this product called HD Voice. And I remember thinking, what's HD Voice? And I remember making my first HD Voice call, and you would swear the person was standing next to me. It was so clear. And, you know, that's the, that's the standard now for phone calls, and you would never... We would look back from that. So it can only get better. And I think for us, that could be a really good thing. So listen, stick around. We're going to talk more about CES. Also, uh, Tim's Bits is on the way. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, Also, I'm going to be talking about Android. Um, I mentioned last week about the Pixel 3 and my um, little bit of a love affair going on, if I'm honest. So early days, honeymoon early period. Days, but, again. Uh, yeah, well, this this is interesting, but it is a Pixel Three. It's top of the line, so that does make a difference. I'm going to what I'm going to do today, though. I think it's important for anybody who's even thinking about this to get a bit of an understanding of Talkback, the screen reader. And all I'm going to do, keep it very simple, but I'm going to talk about the the basic steps to turning on vo- uh, Talkback, turning on exploring, um, understanding how to move around the screen, because I think a lot of people still to this day, or maybe even listening to the show, thinking, how do I do that with a, with a piece of glass? So hopefully we'll answer that question for you. Uh, that's coming up here on Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. It's 2019, and with the new year comes new beginnings and a fresh start. No, that doesn't mean that I'm going to truly keep to all my New Year's resolutions. And no, that doesn't mean Sean's going to completely give up tandoori lamb chops. And unfortunately, that also doesn't mean that Steven's going to stop giving analogies. The one thing that you can count on happening is the implementation of new technology. So this week, I'm going to talk with you about three things that I'm most excited about seeing in 2019. Number three, 5G wireless internet technology. 5G or fifth generation wireless internet promises speeds of up to 100 times faster than 4G or LTE wireless technology. 
This could be a huge advantage when it comes to home internet and downloading large files. You quite possibly could see a day in the future where home Wi-Fi won't be necessary anymore with speeds like 5G. Look for this coming soon to your wireless carriers and the new phones coming later in the year 2019. Number two, Google Duplex goes mainstream. It's no big secret that artificial intelligence is going to just keep getting better and better and become a bigger part of our lives. But Google's artificial intelligence duplex is now ready for prime time and is expected to be implemented into their tablets, smartphones, and even the Google Home sometime later this year. Google Duplex will allow users to utilize an artificial intelligence to make appointments or reservations with very little or no interaction from the user. It's truly your personal assistant in the cloud. Number one, the new Apple streaming service. Yes, Apple fanboys, I know there's a lot of things that Apple's been teasing us about for 2019, including a new mini version of the HomePod, a modular version of the Mac that'll be more easily upgradable, and even new AirPods, hopefully, crossing our fingers. But I'm most excited about the Apple streaming service that should launch later this year. They've been spending quite a bit of money, as much as a billion dollars, gathering content for movies and TV shows to put on this new service. With Apple's dedication to accessibility and the availability of audio-described content currently available on iTunes, I'm really hopeful that this will be an accessible service for the blind and visually impaired that can rival services like Netflix. 2019 already seems like it's going to be a great year for new technology. So make sure that you're listening to Double Tap Canada each and every week for the latest in technology news. And also check out the website doubletap.online for additional content. I'd also like to hear what technology you're looking forward to the most in 2019. Send me an email to feedback at ami.ca and make sure to put Tim's bits in the subject line. Thanks, Tim. Interesting list for 2019. Uh, Google Duplex, which I keep laughing at, quite frankly, um, is going mainstream. <laughs> I just, I th- it's not that I find it funny. It's just I think it's a bit of a weird feature. But I also know um, that I'm going to love it and probably want to use it all the time, especially if it means I don't have to do anything, which is essentially what it lets me do. Yeah, that's exactly the thing, Stephen. It, it's, it's laughable. It's creepy. It's exciting and fun. And I know I'm going to love it and use it like crazy, even though it still creeps me out. Isn't it already available on the Pixel 3 as part of the call screening service? I thought it was already there. I've never used it. I don't know. Ah. I don't know. There you go. I think it is It is being used as just the call screening as far as just taking a call and, and giving you an option to either put it to voicemail or text back to someone. It, it is at a basic level being used for that, but it's not yet in the hands of consumers to actually make appointments and make reservations right. yeah. and have it handle those big time things that they demonstrated when they, uh, when they first launched you know, uh, on their uh, keynote and showed how it would work. So it's at a very basic level right now, but later this year, it's supposed to uh, go more mainstream. And I will say, I am looking forward to the Apple streaming service. I mean, $1 billion they've spent. They've got Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon involved in making programs, many other people as well. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a really interesting result. And hopefully, all audio described, hopefully, 
Hopefully. It's ridiculous we've got to say hopefully now, isn't it? Of course it's got to be. Mm. Well, that's what I'm hoping, and that's why I wanted to include it in the bits this week, because being Apple, I'm hoping that the app, whatever it looks like, it will be accessible for us with voiceover. And because they've done pretty good job with iTunes as far as audio described content. I think there's two or 300 movies and TV shows in there. So that's not horrible. I'm really hoping that there will be audio description built in just like Netflix and it will be accessible. So hopeful, but really shouldn't you're right. It shouldn't be a hope. It should just be. Well, one thing we did here at the very beginning, uh, actually the first piece of news I read out from CES this year was that Samsung and Apple are working together. Now, that alone is news. mind-blowing. Yeah. They generally hate each other, uh, it would appear, because they're never out of court. But um, they, uh, they apparently have got together for this. So the new 2019 Samsung Smart TVs will have iTunes built in. That's pretty big, because that's the first time they've ever allowed iTunes outside of their own product line. Um, also, AirPlay 2, which is not that new, because, of course, it's been... We saw Sonos yep. was the first to get that outside of the Apple world. Um, the AirPlay has popped up on other devices. I've, I've got a, a pure contour upstairs, which is dead and buried now. But, you know, it was essentially uh, an AirPlay device. You could use AirPlay to connect your your uh, smartphone to the speaker. Um, but that was before they obviously came out with the HomePod, and things have changed since then. Um so that's good news, and I, I hope that that app will be accessible, because whilst we know that the Samsung TVs are accessible, uh, which is great, um, we've found that getting into the apps is often a problem. Netflix always seems to survive this one. I think they take more care mm-hmm. in it. Mostly. But I would imagine, mostly, yeah. yeah. But I would say what's brilliant is, if this comes out and it's accessible, then... Well, that's brilliant news and hopefully sets a standard for the others as well. Well, and with that announcement, I, it really makes me think that I'm going to get a Samsung TV as my next television. The one I have now is on its last days. And so I've already been looking at new TVs and knowing that Samsung has the built-in accessibility right out of the box and it now will have iTunes built in if that is accessible, which again, there's no reason to think it shouldn't be. Samsung makes their TVs accessible with voice and Apple is good usually at making their apps accessible. So hopefully those two things marry together well. If that ends up being the case, I'm definitely looking at Samsung. Plus the fact that I also see out of CES that Samsung is trying to make all their things talk to each other, their televisions, their white goods, everything is going to start talking to each other in the cloud, whether it's Amazon or Google, they're going to use those services. So Samsung's just skyrocketed to the top of my list. Well, we'll wait to see what happens. But that was one of the big announcements. Uh, AirPlay 2 and iTunes coming to 2019 Samsung TVs. There will be an update for TVs that are from 2018. So if you did go out and buy a TV, and you didn't want to buy a brand new one you bought last year's model, you would get the update. So that's good news. Definitely. Um, so some of the other stuff from CES that I spotted, one in particular, uh, was specific to us. Um, you uh, asked earlier, Sean, about specific blind tech at this event. Well, there was one. Um, actually, you know, I think there is only one this year. Normally, a few tend to pop up, but then there's so many stands and stalls and people yes, that it's so hard to know. Yeah. Um, but we have started to see more tech aimed at us, which is interesting. And this was a smart cane. It's called the Wee Walk. Uh, and that's not a Scottish thing. It's a Wee, W-E, Walk. Um, and what it lets you do is, it basically is a handle that goes over the top of your existing cane, 
And what you do is you hold the cane in your hand, just like you normally would. You've got the flat ridge that you would always expect, which is where you would put your, your uh, index finger. And on that, that's actually a touch panel. So you can actually touch that, and it connects to various apps on your phone. Now, this, I tried this at an event um, in November, and um, I was quite amazed, actually. Like, for example, and I thought this was pretty cool. I really did, because I thought, you know, at last someone has come up with the idea of smarting up the cane, but not just in some kind of usual serious way, like, oh, well, you know, watch, because, you know, here comes a hedge. Um, <laughs> that was aimed at you, Sean. <laughs> yeah, that was aimed at you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, here comes a hedge is good, and that's important, and actually that's one of its key features, is that it will actually give you not only what's on the ground, because that's what the cane does, but it will also be able to, using sensors on the cane, see what's at head and chest height for you. So it will say to you, over, well, not say to you, but it will let you know by vibration that there is a overhead um, branch coming or, or, you know, leaves or, you know, something's at chest height coming towards you. So that's really good. And it works really well. Um, tried it and really liked it. The other thing that I thought was interesting was they've developed um, or they've worked with providers to allow apps to actually work on the device. So say, for example, you've got your AirPod in and you're marching down the street with your white cane and you want to listen to a song. Well, you can. And you don't have to take your phone out of your pocket to do it because you can play, re, uh, fa- well, not fast forward, but go to the next track, skip track, go back a track using the touchpad on your cane. Um, that's pretty nice. Uh, it gives you an extra remote control uh, for your phone, and that's how it essentially works with other apps as well. Also, they've integrated it with Google Maps so that you can set a destination, march off down the street, and your cane will urge you to turn left or turn right where necessary. Oh, like a broomstick, like Harry Potter. It will just yeah guide you there. <laughs> it is incredible. It doesn't actually take you there. Oh. Just point that out. But it does. It does give you uh, vibration feedback. And that's brilliant. So, yeah, it's a really nice thing. Um, it's not out yet. It's all part of a Kickstarter project, actually. So they're showcasing it at the moment, trying to get more money into that. But... Um, it's a, it's a Turkish company that are behind it, actually. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're showcasing at CES this year. So that's good. Well, I'm all for, you know, upgrading the uh, the the cane. That sounds fantastic. I'm, I'm always slightly dubious because we have seen these sonar technologies before in uh, sunglasses, you know, for head height, uh, obstacles and things like that, and clip-on things for the cane that, that do something. Can I just tell you, can, can I just say, right, I got a pair of these glasses yes. with, the, with the sensor in them to tell you, you know, you're about to walk into something. Yes. And when I put them on, my wife turned to me and she said, if I had saw this picture I'm looking at now, which is you with these glasses on, on the front of a national newspaper with the headline, he did it, um, I would believe it. Well, how bad are they? I mean, I've seen they some that... terrible. Well, that must have been the early days, because the ones I've seen are just slightly larger than normal, but, yeah, they're not... <laughs> I wouldn't say they were terrible. But I'm not convinced how well they work anyway. Uh, I mean, you know, some people do like them, other people don't. Um, but when it comes to this, I'm really interested in how it connects to your phone. If it's almost like... I would love it if you could swipe through on the touch pad on the cane and that swipes through your phone. You know, that sort of remote control aspect of it, almost like the 06 ring 
Um, that sounds yes. really interesting. That sounds like something I would really like. I, I think this is great tech, and, and I, I love to see this. And I think you're right. I mean, from what I've seen, though, it, it does seem to be app-specific. You can't control the entire form of it. That may change, though, over time. But what it does, and, and the point of it really is, that you don't have to continually reach into your phone to, to pull your yeah. phone out to do something. You've only got one hand free when you use a white cane. So, you know, if you can use that hand to the best of its ability, then great. You know, so I like the idea. I do yeah, like it. Definitely. Um, Right, Luke, we're going to take a quick break because uh, we've got, we're going to talk, well, I, I'm going to talk, it's all about me. Um, I'm going to talk about Android and talk about a bit of a love affair that I've got going on. Yes, my love affair with Android. I know, shocking as it may be. Uh, but I do seem to be finding that Android is actually quite good with accessibility. Now, what I'm using is TalkBack. This is the uh, screen reader software, which uh, equivalents would be Chrome Vox on a Chromebook or VoiceOver on a Mac or on an iPhone, JAWS on a, a PC. You know, So it's, it's basically a way to see what's on the screen audibly. Whatever you touch on the screen will be read back to you audibly so that you can see what's going on. The first thing you want to do is turn on TalkBack. Um, that sounds pretty obvious, I know, but uh, that is the first thing that stumps a lot of people, especially when you buy a new phone. And I actually had to look it up. When I got my Google Pixel 3 here, I had to Google, ironically, how to turn on TalkBack. Um, and it's not as simple as you might think in the sense of it's not obvious. Uh, but it is actually really easy once you know what you're doing. So it, I will start off by saying a lot of the things I'm going to talk about here, and, and I don't have a lot of time to get into it, so what I'm going to give you is how to turn on TalkBack and also how to just basically navigate, to just start the process of using the phone with TalkBack if you want to try it out. Um, what I will say is it all depends on the phone you've got and it all depends on the version of Android running. Now, most of this will work, I think. Most of what I'm going to tell you will work. Um, and I'm talking, what I'm going to talk to you about here is for users of smartphones with Android 4 and above. Really important I say that. Now, we're up to Android, we're nearly up to Android 10. So, you know, most phones will probably be above Android 4. Um, but uh, that's important for you to know. So, um, the first thing you want to do when you turn on your phone is uh, you've got your new phone, you've opened it up out of the box, you turn it on with the button, the power button on the phone. Uh, what you then do is once the phone is uh, ready to set up, and what I would do if you can't see the screen at all is give the phone about a minute to sort of start up. After that minute, take two fingers and just place them on the screen and hold them on the screen. That's all you do. And then that is top back on. You just do that and TalkBack will enable it. We'll only do that on the setup screen. So if I do it right now on my phone, it won't work. But if you do it on the setup screen, uh, what will happen is that the setup will recognize that gesture and it will turn TalkBack on and it will allow you to navigate and set up your phone. That's on Android 4 and above. Now, if you're doing this in a, an environment where there are other people, you might want to have a set of headphones handy because at that point you'll be putting in like your Wi-Fi password, you'll be setting up Google, you'll be putting in your password there. So you want to keep that information private. So maybe have a set of headphones if they come in the box, perfect, or just plug in your own. 
Now, you can also uh, turn on uh, TalkBack two other ways. You can turn it on and off, if you like, when you're using your phone. Uh, you can do it in settings. Uh, what to do is when you go into the device's settings app, uh, you go to accessibility and then TalkBack. And then to turn on TalkBack, you just press it once. And then after that, uh, what will happen is you need to be aware, very important, to be aware that TalkBack is then on. And then the following gestures I'm going to talk about will come to life. So you won't be able to just single tap your way through your phone anymore. The other way to do it is to hold down both your volume keys. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So I'm going to press both my volume keys here. And talk back on. there you go. Talkback is on. Fantastic. So what I'm going to do is I'm now going to tell you how we can navigate through your device using TalkBack. Two ways to do it. Uh, you'll use a mixture of both, quite frankly. Uh, the first one is Explore by Touch. And what that means is just simply taking a finger and dragging one finger around the screen. TalkBack will then announce any icons or buttons or other items that you find as you drag your finger about. Um, when the focus, and that's where your finger is, reaches an item that you'd like to select, all you do is just double tap anywhere on the screen to select the focused item. And that's it. It's as simple as that. Uh, you can't really go wrong, which is brilliant about this. Linear navigation is what Google calls it, but basically what this is, is exploring your screen one item at a time. So all you do in this case is if you want to know what's on the screen, just swipe right or swipe left, and it will take you from, say, your mail icon to your messages icon. And once you get where you want to go, you just, again, double tap. It is really simple. Now, you can navigate in different ways as well. You can navigate by uh, different options. So, for example, and we'll do this in a further tutorial, but you can navigate by headings. And you do that by swiping down with one finger. Uh, if you do that again, if you swipe down with one finger again, you can navigate by links such as email addresses or phone numbers, websites, addresses, any other link basically on the screen. Um, controls, again, if you swipe down once, it'll say controls. That means you can navigate by tick boxes, radio buttons, switches, toggles, sliders, um, text fields, buttons, all that kind of thing. Uh, and there's then the default. When you swipe down again, it'll say default. And that means basically explore every single element on the page in what you would call logical order, which in logic is actually from the top left of the screen to the bottom right. So that's how to navigate very simply using an Android phone. And I think you're starting to understand why I'm falling in love. It's really simple. <sighs> Oof, that's enough of that, but thank you, Stephen. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think we get caught up in our own little tech bubble and we forget that sometimes we should go back to basics. You know, people need to know how to get started with these things, especially me. It's been a long time since I've used Android and um, I've got to say, it does seem like it's improving. Definitely does sound like it's improving and TalkBack is not as bad as maybe I thought. I mean, it doesn't have as many gestures. I know it doesn't have as many gestures as voiceover does, but it seems functional enough. Yeah, it misses one. Uh, it does miss one key gesture, and that is read all. Um, the only way to achieve that currently, uh, well, there's two ways to do it uh, through one of the men menus I mentioned, but also by shaking the phone, which I don't really think is a good way to do it. It's like you get an email, and suddenly you start shaking your phone violently. <laughs> I wait to shake my phone violently until I've read the email. Yes. And then I'll shake my phone violently in rage. 
We all know who that email came from. Hey, no, I up? like shaking the phone on the iPhone to uh, shake to undo. So if I've typed something and I, I didn't mean to, to do it, you can shake to undo that. But to shake to to read, that, that just doesn't sound intuitive. Yeah, but that's only because no, we're coming from the voiceover starting point, isn't it? You know, if we came from sure, Android, then true. we would think the swipe down with two fingers to read always strange. Anyway, tell us what you think um, and any comments you want to send in. I know you've been doing that already. I've got one email I want to get to actually before the end of the show because it's pertinent to, to our discussions here. Um, but before that, though, um, just to go back to CES and um, smart toilets are in the news uh, this week at CES. <sighs> You're really lowering the tone of this week's show, Stephen. Is that possible? I always knew we were going to go in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, this is a strange one. So, uh, smart toilets. Um, there's more than one company doing this. I don't really understand the purpose of this. I think it's like, you know, you can play your music on the, the loo or you can, you know, it can flash 15 colours. Um, I don't really know why you would want all this. Um, I know that for a long time we've read about smart toilets, like the, the B-Days Oh, not BDs, but the, the Japanese-style toilets, which are kind of BDs built into toilets, and they wash you and they clean you, and that's all very nice. Yes. I can, you know, I'd have that in a minute. Yep. They have seat warmers, I think, as well. That that's be not bad. a bad feature either. Um, so, yeah, there's that kind of thing. Also, smart kettles are making the way. This is, of course, the Internet of Things I was talking about. Um, smart kettles on show. Um, I'm kind of hoping they get this right, because... Um, there was a scare a while back. One of the companies that made a smart kettle, I remember, ended up in the news because someone was able to hack into their house internet via the kettle. You know, I like a cup of tea and it's often the way to my heart, but not the way to my network. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a bit concerned about that. I don't understand these. Until they can fill themselves with water, I don't, they're pointless. <laughs> That'll come. That will come. <laughs> um, also... Uh, there is a company there called The Impossible Burger. Oh, now I'm interested. Mm, tell me more. Yeah. This is a company that have come up with a recipe to make a burger which tastes like a burger but doesn't have any meat in it. Oh, fake news. It never, never. I've never had a veggie burger, veggie sausage, veggie bacon that tastes anything other than cardboard. Well, they're going to prove you wrong. I'm bracing myself for emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The vegans will be on to you, and you know they, so sorry. they're always angry because they're always hungry. Um, oh, but, well done, you took a bullet for me. <laughs> now you're going to get the emails. Wow! But honestly, that, it, this is this is another company that's at uh, CES this year. Um, last year they got a bit of ridicule because the um, it didn't quite taste right. Someone said it tasted like burnt corn. Um, <laughs> So that's not the best, uh, but I think they've managed to refine the recipe a bit. So uh, we're not at CES, so we can't tell if it's if it's good or not. Um, that's a reason to go next year if ever I had a one. Um, right, listen, before we go, just one email. Um, we'll get to this week, which was uh, from Bev Powell. Hi, Bev. Who says, I was listening to uh, Double Tap and heard you guys discussing a headphone with only one earpiece. Can you tell me what uh, you're talking about and where I might get such a thing in Canada? Um, well, thank you, Bev. I think, based on our conversations before, uh, Tim, it would have been you talking about this, and it would probably be your Plantronics, I think. It would definitely be. The Plantronics uh, line of Bluetooth devices makes a one-ear Bluetooth 
They usually are the M series. I don't know if that stands for mono. It's my best guess. But uh, if you do a search online, uh, either the uh, big online store that uh, starts with an A, that Amazon store, or just anywhere else that you can shop online, uh, look for Plantronics in any of the M series. I believe a few years back, they were like M50, M55. There was an, uh, I think the one I have now is a 165. I, I think there are newer models since then. But uh, yeah, if you even if you just search for Plantronics, mono Bluetooth or single ear Bluetooth, you should be able to find those devices. And they are very nice because it's nice to be able to do that because a lot of blind people will have the earbuds in and have that one earbud hanging down and the other earbud in your ear. And it's so much nicer and easier to just have that one Bluetooth in with no wires. And the Plantronics, you always hear about lag when you're typing with voiceover. I've experienced very little, if any, lag using these devices. So I highly recommend that. And they're cheap too. You you can get them for for uh, you know probably in Canada maybe twenty thirty forty dollars. Let me uh, also bring in an email that we got in from Aaron Linson who said I wanted to put my two cents into the discussion about smart speakers. Now this is uh, his email. He says for a while my wife and I had the uh, Echo device, uh, and he says then we moved to an Echo dot first gen because of college life, we found that in both instances, the microphones were horrible for listening to us. Playing any music at any kind of volume would make the microphones seem stupid, mm. meaning that they would not be able to pick up our voices, even when listening to classical music. He says with some composers, especially Mozart, uh, and he says, don't blame me, I have a music degree, so I like music. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, there had to be something better. He said, so we tried the Google Home and we were very impressed. I mean, I have two of them both of which are Google devices. We found the responsiveness to be quite good, allowing for music to be blasting and the speakers both hearing our voices without having to yell. Build quality is better as well, especially with the Google Home Mini. One thing I love that uh, Lady A doesn't do is allow me to say, play a B note. Google Home will then proceed to play a B note, allowing me to tune whatever instrument I have in my hand at the time. Um, One thing I didn't like about the Lady A speaker either was the skills. I had a hard time remembering what was enabled and what wasn't. It felt like I had to remember what the skills were and the special commands to get them working. While I respect the Amazon Echo platform and want to give them another try, I will have to be convinced. So that's a challenge. Convince me why I should get the third generation Echo Dot or even the other Echo speakers that Amazon sells. Well... If we only had more time, Aaron, we would. But do you know what? I think that's a good starting point for us next week to talk about. And this is actually something I wanted to talk about anyway, because this is a really interesting topic. Which one do you go for? What is best? So I think we need to do a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea, Stephen. We'll have to do that for next week. And, and I'm not opposed to Mozart. I was a music education major, so you know we can bring the Mozart to the table. But uh, yeah, I think that I think we do have to have that challenge. What do you think, Sean? Well, we got to think about what, you know how we're going to do it. We'll have to think of some questions and throw it at each one. Um, but I got to agree. I mean, generally, I think the the Google is more responsive. That is Google's thing. That's what they do best. Um, uh, but they both got their pluses and minuses. So yeah, we'll look into it. Yeah. Well, that's next week's plan. Uh, We'll catch you next time, though. That's it for us. Remember the podcast. Remember the blog as well. It's all available on ami.ca. Catch you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. 
Hi, I'm Ramya Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.